Welcome to Fired Up, an original podcast from Ignite Fan Insights, powered by NASCAR, the National Sports Forum, and the Association of Luxury Suite Directors. This is a podcast for sports business pros like you. We go behind the gates and beyond the numbers that keep sports fans coming back for more. Our host, Chris Wise, is the brains behind Ignite Fan Insights. With a commitment to research and innovation for over 30 years, he knows the right questions to ask, and more importantly, what to do with the answers. Get ready for engaging in-depth conversations with sports industry leaders that will inspire you to take action and connect with your fans. I'm Chris McAdoo, and this is Fired Up. Hey, y'all, and welcome to Fired Up, a podcast from Ignite Fan Insights that is powered by NASCAR. There's a lot of great stuff that we've learned this week and a lot of great people that we have talked to, including Mm -hmm. Eileen McManaman, who is the founder and managing partner of 5T Sports Group. I'm going to hand it over to Chris Wise. Chris, you ready to ask the right questions? Just a couple. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. Over to you, buddy. (laughs) So we'll start out really easy. Tell us about yourself. Your career, what really ignites you, fires you up? Oh, man, what fires me up? Well, hey, we're here at the sports forum. Sports totally fires me up, and I'm a, I am definitely a multi-sport type of gal. Yeah, what fires me up? You know, right now, I think the future always fires me up. That's, that's, been, uh, that's been definitely a theme throughout my career. I've always been that person in a role who's looking forward you know, in marketing, going, what, what's next? What's the next thing? So I've worked in technology for a number of years. What's happening there? What, is, what are the new tools? How are thing, people going to interact with this? When I founded 5T, I came from a background in the car industry. I worked in sports marketing for Fiat and Alfa Romeo in Europe for a number of years. And then I, I went on to the technology industry just as they were inventing the Internet. So that'll give you an idea of how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I did one of those wake up one day. You're going to work like a dog at whatever you do because I, I, really I really love working. What do you want to do? And I thought, i got to get back to sports. And I, I thought, what is the future of this industry? What does it need to survive? What does it need to keep going? What is it going to look like in the 21st century? And I came on to two things. Tech, well, actually three. Technology. They weren't using enough of it. They are going to need to tighten their belts and, and, uh, and waste less, be, be more sustainable, because that, that was certainly becoming an issue. Um, and the third was community. As the industry had become more professional, they were losing touch Mm. with with every man you know the prices were going up the venues were getting sexier mm. and and the tv rights deals were getting bigger and somewhere joe fan joe fan was getting lost in all that so i felt that's why i wanted to make a difference and that's how i founded the company so tell us the progression then of the company what's it mean what did it mean what does it mean today where's it going and and how's it just evolving yeah, that's a, that's a great question, because I founded the company in 2008, and uh, if you remember your uh, your financial timeline, so that was not a great time to start a company. Nope. Fortunately, I, I was starting it in Vancouver, Canada, right as the Olympics were coming on, so I had some very early good business with that. But what I was doing initially was really just kind of sponsorship brokering and traditional sports marketing. And I, I felt like I wasn't pushing the envelope enough. The beauty of that financial crisis was that all of a sudden, every team needed to figure out how to tighten their belts. They could not raise prices. 
they could not put more bums in seats. They certainly had to, to ratchet down those costs and, and, and find a way. So that was great because they were starting to go, okay, we do have to find our way back to Joe and Joe Fan. But I saw that as a really great opportunity to introduce them to a lot of technologies that they needed to be deploying, like mobile tickets, mobile payments. Some things were just a little too far ahead for them. But also stadium savings technologies, LED lighting, which was fairly new to the scene then. A little bit of a wild west out there in terms of how many producers were out there. People were not sure about uh, about doing that. Water savings. That was uh, so. That's that's kind of where we started to go. Going okay, things are going to get tough, and what do we all do when things get tough at home, budget-wise? You you know, start putting on a sweater, turning down the thermostat, (laughs) and like that's where we need to go. A lot of what I think you bring to the table is the philosophy behind the triple bottom line, which allows both for that tightening of the belt, right? But it also allows for very specific growth opportunities if you look at it the right way. So can you talk a little bit about what that quote unquote, that triple bottom line means? So the the triple bottom line, people talk about it a couple different ways. The simplest way is they say people, planet, and profits. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're looking after the well-being of people, let's take it in the, in the context of a sports team, or as you heard um, Arthur Blank speak about yesterday, everything has to start with their culture, with their employees. And we all know mm-hmm. if you're taking care of your employees, your employees are then taking care of your mm-hmm. customers. So it's important that a company isn't so fixated on just the financial numbers mm-hmm. that they're, they're losing sight of that longer-term, bigger picture, that they're looking at that kind of social well-being. So that's the people component. On the planet side, and really that also comes down to economics, that's, that's just not being wasteful. That's going, you know what? Do we need to, you know, keep the tap running here? Or do we, you know, as you uh, heard Scott Jenkins from Mercedes-Benz Stadium mention, why are we flushing a toilet with a gallon of water when a pint will do? Or sometimes it's waterless in the case of some urinals. So planet, it, it, it's, that's just being really freaking practical <laughs> the way our grandparents were, right? Yeah. Being responsible. Uh, being responsible yeah. and, uh, and, 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 you know, kind of being a bit mindful of how you're using things. Um, and then, of course, the profit side, that's important. You can't do either of those first two things if you don't have a solid business model, if you, don't, if you aren't looking at the economics. And I think that's where, you know, uh, Mr. Blank was very wise as well. He's like, you know what? The economics of me selling you a hot dog are I buy a hot dog for probably 25 cents and I sell it to you for $2. Uh, I'm good. You're good. I don't need to sell it to you for 7 or $8. It's respectable economics. It's, it's, it's longer-term thinking. What's a day look like for you as you're as you're unpacking this and you're you're out talking with people? A, how are you getting to talk to people? What how does that to be crass? How does that monetize for you? And that's a great question to ask me here because the National Sports Forum is definitely a place. I'm very fortunate they've they've invited me back to speak a few times and give these examples. And we've also I've also done that at baseball winter meetings and several other places. What's a day look like for me? I might get very unprompted phone call from either an NFL team or a league office saying, hey, Eileen, we're trying to figure out X. Who do you know who's figured that out? Or what do you think about that? So I I really can't these days put my finger on what a typical day looks like Mm. because, you know, it's like there's some kind of climate emergency going on. The first six years of my business were were not easy. They were lean. Now, they are in many businesses, but... 
you know, again, being a futurist, I'm always a little ahead of the market on that. But now it's very busy. People are looking for ways to solve for these things. They realize they're important. Their, their people culture is very important. Uh, you know, we're getting into a dearth of talent, workforce talent. So right. that's very critical for all businesses. And they also see there's a very discerning workforce that are like, well, I want to work for a company that has good values, that has purpose, that has meaning. So the, they need to compete for that. The talent. younger audience. The, the younger, younger audience, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And frankly, even older folks want to work for a company that has good values well, and has yeah. good purpose. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's really immune to that. That's yeah, right. a kind of, I think, a basic human yeah. thing. In a, but a typical day you know, might be that unprompted phone call. We're also working very deeply now on fan engagement campaigns. And that is really something special. You heard it from Budweiser, how seriously they're taking sustainability. They have a very aggressive plan that they announced just a little over a year ago. And yet here they are saying, bring us ideas that help us get that message out. And that is going to be really a mantra you're going to hear from every consumer brand company. You'll hear it from B2B companies. Mm -hmm. If you're familiar with BlackRock and Larry Fink writing a letter to say, if your company isn't looking at this, then we're not investing in you. You're going to hear it from new companies and old dog companies like utility companies, boring old utility companies. Water and energy especially, they need to get a lot of messaging out. Yep. And they need to be way more effective at it. And sports is a great place to do that. You know, everybody loves sports. Sports are apolitical and they're mm -hmm. agnostic. They cross genders. They cross age barriers. Everything. And to, well, to follow up on that, you've used the same term a couple of times, Joe and Jill fan. Yeah. Right? So, <laughs> I, well, it, when you're speaking about... She could have just said Jill. She, exactly. <laughs> but I, I think, like, it's such a, a cool wave to put that into everyone's language as a foundational element of diversity of viewpoints, diversity of fan base, and the things that people are looking for are different than the things they were looking for five years ago, ten years ago. So... Over the last decade or so, what are some of the changes that you have seen in that fan engagement, and how are some of the ways that you feel you have been able to assist and or people have been able to do the right things, to move in the right way? Well, just gender issue. I'm surprised this didn't come up in some of the conversations, but, you know, the NFL's female fan base has grown 17% or so. The last time I checked that stat, it's a little older, but... So where they're, where they're having these declining attendance in the, in the venues, they are actually having a rise in the, in the female audience watching, watching the product. That doesn't surprise me, and it does surprise me a little bit, uh, maybe because I come from a pretty old-school football market in Cleveland, so <laughs> yeah. there's plenty of women who, who can be calling the plays on the field there. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, and again, on that front, I think uh, they were wise to recognize that every, they got away from the merchandising tactic, the, tactic, the pink it and shrink it, you know, the reason we buy jerseys is because we, we want to feel that affinity with mm -hmm. the team. Absolutely. That's why we're logoing ourselves up. So if I'm a fan of my team, my, none of my teams have pink as a color. And, and the last time I checked, there really aren't any teams that have pink as <laughs> yeah. their primary color, unless maybe T-Mobile is their kit sponsor in there in uh, soccer. But So, so I, I was glad to see that come away from it. And I think that their merchandise sales have gone through the roof since they've done that. So that's been an interesting development on that side of, of sports kind of tuning into, you know, our audience is different. I think you're seeing a lot more uh, Hispanic marketing focused 
outside of the traditional Hispanic market. Places like Chicago or Houston have always done a fair bit of that. LA, of course. Now you're seeing it in really every market. They're they're being responsive to that. Mm-hmm. What you're talking about there, going beyond the pink it and shrink it, which is a hilarious way to say that, by the way. But responding to a new audience in a new way, not just an afterthought, right? Like learning to pay attention, right, to those signs. Mm -hmm. You look to the future. So what's next? How are people going to win? How are people going to do the right things coming up in the next year or two? You know, the right things. One of the biggest right things that every team could, well, almost every team could do right now is really start encouraging people to not drive to the game. That will have a massive impact. So one of the biggest, you know, if we're talking about climate, which is a little bit of my my favorite piece, but um, I like the people piece, but I like the planet piece quite a bit. Just by taking public transit, riding a bike, if that's possible in season, you're not going to ride a bike to a Steelers game in December, but roughly 70% of the carbon emissions associated with with sports Mm -hmm. are the fan travel. One, that's what I want to see happen, but I do think we'll see it happen. There's a lot of great reasons for it to happen. I think you're going to get a nicer fan experience when they get that piece pulled together. They're doing a much better job of figuring out the ingress and the egress for the ride share. We're seeing a lot more bike valets pop up, uh, and, and with the MLS, you know, in a summertime product that's great you're seeing most every venue any new venue that's being built or even if it's being renovated it's being put in the downtown core so that would be uh, that would be a great future development and i and i think we'll we'll see more of that because they're also trying to build these entertainment districts everywhere you know there's quite a few that are successful and that means people are going to be around longer they're probably going to be imbibing a little bit more you know, so and I think state- we're going to see more congestion as well. Yeah. So people are going to find that that gate-to-gate experience is starting to really, or you know, door-to-door experience mm-hmm. is really going to become unpleasant. And you've heard multiple times everyone's struggling with attendance numbers. So that's why I also think the teams will start to really solve for it. Not because it's a planet thing, but because it's a bottom-line economic thing. People aren't going to come if it's a big hassle. And the so I think they'll want to solve for it. So where do you get pushback? And how do you, when you approach people or talk to people, where do you, wh- what's the pushback point, if any? And then how do you deal with it? Generally, earlier on in the time of 5T, and, and as you'll experience from your own daily life, when you're talking to people about climate change, they're like, ah, don't believe in it. We've passed that point. You know, most polls will show you that upwards of 80% of people, you know, even though they might not know what climate change is, they have concerns. They see the extreme weather events. They see things are not not business as usual, obviously not business as usual <laughs> when we have millions of kids in the streets every Friday. Um, so that's changed quite a bit. I, I really don't see a lot of pushback now. I think what I see is some hesitation. People are trying to wrap their head around, how do I how do I talk about this? What can I do about it? It's, you know, it's, it's trying to get their, your head wrapped around, well, that's a huge problem that affects the entire planet. I'm one person. What mm-hmm. can I do? Or I'm one team. What can I do? So I think the, the, the challenge over the next couple of years will be breaking that down for people into bite-sized pieces and also helping people understand that it's, there's a lot of things you need to do to solve governments need to do things, but businesses need to do things, and individuals need to do things. But breaking it down for people so that it's it's at a human scale, and one of the things that I love about what I'm doing right now is in sports, we can show them at a human scale, we can show them collective action. 
you can say you just made a stadium's worth of change today by doing whatever we asked you to do. That's a great lead to my next question was then how do you take the 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 reality of the change that's necessary to the economic impact of the change so they go aha <laughs> to help to help connect that dot. I was just having an interesting conversation with someone last night and I, I'm very big about that, you know, make it make it personal. And I'm not coming up with a great example for you right now, but the conversation we were having last night was about connecting certain things to human health factors. And so when you're saying, again, coming back to the transportation issue, by reducing those, those urban emissions, you, you can point to actual numbers of what, what the air pollution reduction is, and that number is translatable to very real human health numbers that are known. So asthma incidents, other people with, with breathing difficulties or with, with other uh, health situations. So you can tie that to things like work absenteeism, you know, uh, healthcare costs. That's a little bit more abstract. I like to try to pull things right down to, to the individual gotcha. wherever we can and say this is how it's going to make a difference for you. So what's your future look like? That's like asking the doctor to heal himself or the, uh, <laughs> the cobbler to make himself some shoes. <laughs> I love, the, I, I love the, uh, the serendipity of what my future is. And then did you ask me, uh, you know, did I know I was going to be on a podcast? No. What does my future look like? I think that I won't be a, I won't be a specialist in the future. What, I, what I'm doing will be really mainstream and, and pretty much standard operating procedure. And we're already seeing that as I showed in my session. This isn't uh, just a, a Patagonia and a Ben and & Jerry's and all those kind of do-good company thing anymore. This is the Microsofts, the Toyotas, the Heinekens, the ABN Bevs, the Coca-Colas, the wireless carriers. This is part of everybody's mission going forward. So, But they're all still early, early days in trying to find those communications tools. Right. But that's the future for me, Chris. I won't be necessary. <laughs> is, is that a good thing? I think I think we I think we all have our natural arc, um, <laughs> and uh, and I hopefully agree. my my uh, my natural arc takes me to a ski slope that I hope will still exist <laughs> in the future, yes. uh, yeah. or a beach, uh, no. uh, and then I, I pass the torch and the baton to the next generation. Well, talk about that passing of the torch. Is what are the steps that you take to bring that next generation of folks up? I love that question. That's why we ask them. You're <laughs> just brilliant. Jeez. For the next, or for actually for the past four years, and that again started right here at the NSF, okay. because they have the Case Cup competition and they bring in all of these university students, a number of the students and the professors came to my the first talk that I gave at, at the NSF and immediately reached out and said, will you come guest lecture in our sports management program so that we can understand how sustainability fits yeah. into sports management in general. Nice. So I've been doing that for the last four years now. I'm, I think I'm up to like 12 programs that I guest lecture. And uh, my, my business is international, so I'm headed to the UK next month where I'll be speaking, but I'm also doing some work with the Premier League right now and a few of the Premier League teams. But immediately I reached out and said, all right, what universities are doing sports management? So we'll reach out to our first UK university. But that's how I'm passing the baton is making sure that that guest lecture, again, won't be a specialty. It will eventually be woven right uh -huh. through the program. So whatever you're talking about, if you're talking about ticketing or the financial part of the game or the player management, you're thinking about people, planet, profits, not just 
profits. <laughs> the fabric of our lives, right? There you oh. go. Eileen, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. Where can people learn more about 5T and the things that you're out there doing? Yep, very simply at 5T, as in Tom, 5tsports.com. Okay, awesome. And I would encourage everybody out there, do your own research. Understand what that triple bottom line really means, right? People, planet, profits. They can exist together in a, in a very sustainable way, tongue-in-cheek or otherwise, but eventually they have to. If we're all going to keep doing this, and then if that's something that you value, put steps in place to make sure that you're bringing that next generation up as well like Eileen has done thank you so much for joining us thank you so much this has been fired up live from the national sports forum thanks for listening and if you like what you heard be sure to subscribe and if you really like what you heard please leave us a five-star review and tell all your friends also, thanks to the good people that power Fired Up and Ignite Fan Insights at NASCAR, the National Sports Forum, and the Association of Luxury Suite Directors. To learn more about Ignite Fan Insights and what that exclusive content can mean for you, visit IgniteFanInsights.com and subscribe today. It's a wealth of information all about the fan at no cost to you. Your fan club subscription includes our e-publication, podcasts like this one, exclusive blogs, quarterly e-newsletters, and timely webinars that keep you not only up to speed on what your fans are doing, but ahead of the curve and ready to take on anything that comes at you. Fired Up is hosted by Chris Wise and myself, Chris McAdoo. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next time. And as always... Y'all stay fired up.